Welcome, everybody, to the In the Dome podcast. That's a great intro. Well, you got to change it up. I mean, if it's the same old thing every single goddamn time. I mean, come on. Come on. Well, I was a little worried that we sucked again against the Kings. Okay, it's weird because after the Vancouver-San Jose two games... Rolling into the Kings game, I was like, there's no way we're going to suck. We're going to be great. I swear to God, people think that I, we, whatever, are bipolar. Well, if you're a fan of this team, are you not bipolar? Real. Is this not the most bipolar team you've ever followed? That shit they pulled against LA was the most Calgary Flames thing ever. And it's weird because what they did in Anaheim, I was like... I was like 99.9% sure. You thought that was going to happen against the Kings. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were just going to keep rolling. What is it with the Kings? Why have we lost three times to the Kings? Maybe it's just the Kings. Maybe it's just we don't match up well against them. I think that's part of it. <clears throat> also, we're like the inspiration for the LA Kings. Yeah, maybe. We're like the reason they still play hockey. They're <laughs> o- they want to beat us every single time. Like They, they hate us. <laughs> we don't hate them. That's the problem. We hate Edmonton. But we don't hate the Kings. Matthew Kachuk doesn't really care about Drew Doughty anymore. <laughs> He's moved on to bigger and better but, things. Eh? But Drew Doughty still cares. Did you see him? Yeah, he, LA- was ha- he was having a hell of a time, eh? And the LA Kings still care. Like, we yeah. are the reason. What was he laughing at so much? What was that? I can't remember. There's a there's a specific instance where they show him on the bench and he's, he was having a hell of a time. What well, was it? What was it? Is the the Lucic thing or something? No, it was at the end of a play... Somebody got into Chuck a tussle. Chuck involved with somebody. It wasn't Chucky. There was somebody else. I think it was. He was having a good old... Well, he was involved, but... He was but, having a good old time, But Drew there Doughty. was some sort of tussle. I gotta say, like, just as an aside, if you play hockey and live in L.A., why do you look like a albino homeless guy? He's so ugly. Get a tan. Go to the beach. Mix in a shave. Well, have you been to the beach? Well, good point. But still, when you're a millionaire... I mean... Come on. I mean, but, you know... Long hair. I wouldn't look like that if I played hockey in California. Long, like if there's anywhere in, in North America where long hair is like prevalent among among men, it's it's California. Yeah, but I mean long hair, but he looks he's got the uh, he's just ugly. I'm sick of all these ugly millionaire. People. It's the surfer bum look. Like, yeah, but he should do a better job. He and Connor are so ugly. He wasn't when he was laughing on the bench. I literally wanted to punch him right in the face. I know he's got that big gross tooth hole. He's just he's he's like that kid in middle school. If who's you could, just like who's weird. And like, if you, know? you if you could punch him in the face, would you go for the tooth hole or would you go for like the eye or the nose? I, I, I would go nose because I'd like to go right hook right along right up right at the eye. I'd give he's got a bit of a big nose. I'd go nose. It would like that instant cry reflex. Right oh, I hate nose. that. It's like pulling out a nose hair. Oh Jesus! Instant cry. Anyways, I I for some I don't know. Just watching this team long enough, I kind of knew they were gonna suck against the Kings. Boy, that was frustrating to watch that game. So the other thing is like you do have to give the Kings credit. Yeah, no, they were good. They came out. I think for the first five minutes, it, like it wasn't it was anybody's game, and then the Kings just ran away with it because well, it was, they didn't. They were relentless with their work ethic. And it was a weird game because it was like the Flames played well in stretches, like two minute stretches here and there. Like I didn't think they played that bad. They just played that frustrating brand of hockey, you know. Yeah, where it's like they're wildly inconsistent from period to period, and, well, even, sh- and even shift to shift. And I think that's the key thing here is like, because if you go back and look at some of our other eggs we've laid, they they sucked. 
They didn't necessarily suck against yeah, the Kings. They, they didn't but suck. They got outworked in every area yeah, of the game. It was one of those frustrating losses where for, like you could have won that game for the majority of the game, especially on with the five on three. Like that's what was so frustrating to me. It's like here you have a chance to salvage this game that you've been playing pretty poorly and salvage it. You're only down by a goal, tied up on the five on three, and they sucked. Well, I was literally just gonna say the five on three is the nutshell of that game. Yeah, totally. Because. You have two extra men out there, and yet you're getting outworked on all the loose battles. I'd like, e- to like every single every single battle on that five and three, the Kings were winning. Yeah, it was brutal. And so that's the microcosm of the game. That is the macrocosm. They outworked us. Yeah, 100%. they wanted it more than we did, and I don't blame them. Other than the fact that we're in the playoff hunt, so maybe you should care a lot more. But I think. More so than them sucking like they have in the past, it was just a matter of the Kings wanted it more because they're still a lot more motivated when they play us and we are when we get Well, and again, I think you'd be a lot more frustrated with that loss if they had showed up against the Ducks and and done the same sort of thing as well. But they kind of righted the ship, which was a hallmark of the team last year too, if you remember. If they did lay an egg, if they did have a dud, they'd come, they'd follow it up with a pretty excellent performance most nights. Yeah. So... Because, yeah, after the, the Vancouver San Jose, I literally thought we would keep rolling. Somebody even on, on Twitter is like, no, they're going to lay another egg. I, I kind of felt it against the Kings. And I was like, no, they're going to keep rolling. Yeah, there were people on Instagram, Teeman, if you're listening, he was like, this is a trap game. We're losing tonight. And he was 100% correct. But I think the silver lining with that loss is that it wasn't the same as other losses when we completely didn't show up. Yeah, it was. It, it felt... Like, we, we were... We got stunned i think it felt by, more by like, the work ethic and yeah. then by the time i mean they still were kind of in the game well, yeah all like the way up until five the on three you're still in it and even when the goalie's pulled and for some reason you don't have sean monahan and johnny Gaudreau on the ice you're still in it because you're yeah. only down by a goal do but we it, do we have a five on three goal this year i don't think so i was gonna say i should have looked up i should have looked up the five on three stats league wide before we jumped on here but i would be surprised if we're our five not, on three stinks if we're not last in the league for five on three conversion i would be shocked i'm always really interested and curious as to why they don't have a different strategy for five on three than they do for five on four because it's the exact same formation it's like you'd think you'd want to be able to take advantage of a five on three well you? The, the other team is setting up differently yeah. On a five on three than they are on a five on four. Therefore, shouldn't you? Why don't you? I don't like adjust. Like, there's got to be a better way to do it. And like I said, I was saying it sexy. I'm like, do they even, it doesn't even look like they practiced no, five they on three. They practiced last year. What do you mean? Right? The thing that bugs me the most, especially on the five on three, is they try that They try that low high play so much. It's like Gaudreau dish to Kachuk. Down then, on the hash, yeah, down on the, on down the, the goal, goal line. And then instead of going, it. instead of trying to go to Lindholm, Who's cross ice? He always goes to Monahan in the, in the high slot. Like that. Like I've I've seen that play work once against Boston last year in what, what were they in like China or whatever. That's the only time I've ever seen it work, and it has never worked since. Because you don't get the goalie moving enough, and it relies on Monahan having a perfectly placed shot. Like if you just pass it right in front, the goalie doesn't have to do much. That's yeah. the only like they do that way too much. Like because I think historically, if you're thinking of goals you've seen five on three, it's always that tight cross crease pass yeah that works past the across the royal road like or, so, going cross or a sick one timer yeah which we like it's just like I, I i wouldn't mind that play so much as an option but it's just like that's all they force that all the time so cut that out or chuck goes between his legs but yeah then the good news is they, they dominate anaheim yeah, and like, I know that anaheim won some of the the underlying uh, yeah they, it was like that was yeah. but it's four nothing 
It's it's four nothing after the first period. Like yeah, you pretty much what do you got to do? Well, you and I were going to count stats too, like dumpins and yeah. But then got, when it's when the yeah. game's over after one period, it's like, like this this isn't even act going to be accurate. So. Yeah. So I like the game against the Kings felt. I don't know. It felt it, it was frustrating, but it didn't feel like San, losing to San Jose on home ice frustrating. You I know? Th- yeah. And if you like, here's how I look at it: that game against the Kings. If you haven't laid so many eggs early in the earlier in the year nobody even like blinks twice at that yeah, totally this, this is oh, it's one off game so i think it was more so that than it was because the, the style that we lost wasn't like the ones in the in the past no it wasn't it was just kind of like yeah you kind of it's frustrating because the goddamn kings yeah it's last fr- team in the it's west frustrating when you watch them play dump a chase all night against the kings and their big dopey defense and it's like well no wonder we can't we can't get the goddamn Plus, puck another backup goalie exactly. like thank oh, god some look great thank god gibson started last night seriously if miller had started we wouldn't have won well, no, we might have won against Miller, but if they would have had a a third string, third call string up, no name guy who third, like who the fuck is this third guy third game ever played in the NHL, he probably would have shut us out. Seriously, it's like oh, he's on loan from the from the University of South Carolina. Just, yeah, he's one of those emergency call ups. Yeah. Oh, he gets a shutout! Wow, Gibson and Miller both had the flu bug, super <laughs> ill, couldn't play. The guy has like pads like you know half the size of NHL size. <laughs> Still, it's still like he's got mismatching looks, looks gloves. Like, looks like Mike Vernon and Nett. Still can't score on him. All right, so let's get it. I want to go through some of these, these things in the LA game kind of piece by piece. Because, I mean, when Kachuk, when uh, Backlund scored that goal, I was like, all right. I was feeling like you were feeling. We're going to roll here. We're going to roll right through these guys. Well, it was kind of one of those things where LA held most of the pressure. And Riddick just kept us in, kept us in, kept us in. And then we go up one nothing. You're like, okay, this is going to turn shit around. Yeah. But then... We've, and this is we've seen this way too often this year. Way too much. Not only can you not hold a lead for more than thirty seconds, now you're you actually go down two to one within sixty seconds after yeah. going up like, one. It's it's happened. San Jose game, like so many, like ah, just really frustrating. And this is one of those things, especially when Riddick was playing so well and had to make so many great saves. This is one of those things, like from a coaching perspective. I think it was yeah, it was Jim Montgomery when he first got the Dallas game. I read or listened to an interview somebody did with him, and basically it's kind of like when Bill Peters first took over. He like had his like you know top five things, right? But the way Montgomery approached the game, he shared it with you know the journalist, is that he only wants to have a minimum of like or a maximum of three focuses per game, right? Yeah, I remember and then me this. and then let let the the guys kind of be flexible with within the game. So, but I think. This is one of those things. If you're a coach, you got to instill this early on in the season. Is that you have like your one of the go-to things that you always do, and that's like I would I would make it like a manifesto. Every time there's a goal scored on or for, if we get a goal scored on us or we score a goal, the next shift needs to be a statement shift. Yeah. That's like something you instill in the player. So mentally that becomes part of your identity is like, because how many times do you see that? Like, let's say we're playing the Jets. The Jets are good at this and we score a goal. The next shift we get like dominated. Well, yeah, it happened. Like, didn't it happen in the San Jose game and in the national game last week at home? That sounds about accurate. Yeah. Like we score and then boom, boom. So, and it goes both ways. When you score a goal, your next shift should be even better than the prior shift. And then when you get scored against, like you need to respond every single time. I think 
Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk about identity. There you go. There you go. There you go, Jeff. Jeff, tips with Jordan. If you want to phone him up. 555. <laughs> 3455. Cartwright? All right. So, yeah, then we go down to, well, we went down 2-1 and then went down 3-1. And, I mean, David Riddick was giving it because we were just watching some of the goals and, like, it was just defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown well, that after was, defensive breakdown. I think that had to be Mike Stone's worst game. <laughs> he went from having his worst game to having his best game. Do you think that was maybe his career worst game? Like, it can't get much worse than that. I don't think so. I think, he, I think that's what he's like on most nights. If you looked at the, the actual underlying numbers against L.A., Mike Stone was an atrocity. He was bad. And he's pretty bad on most nights. But, I mean... Again, like, but then, like I you think, said, he responded with his one of his probably. I can't believe that he maybe was, a career best game against Anaheim. If you follow us on Instagram and stuff, we we post the the top performance based on game score. Michael Stone, like I never thought I would see the day where he was the top rated skater. Only Cam Talbot had a better game score than he did. It's crazy. So I mean, I crush him a lot, but good on him for being good last night and show, and responding because he was terrible against LA. But I mean, Riddick was really giving it to his team, but like. When you're playing a three and a half NHL defenseman, really, that's pretty tough. Like that defense looked scary, and they yeah. responded in a big, well, not in a big way last night, but a lot, a lot better last night. But well, and it was one of those things. If you're looking at the style of game that, that LA was playing, it's kind of like they were relentless. Yeah, and they, in their forecheck and their pressure, well, and their you intensity, saw, you saw them expose Yellison a little bit. I thought Yellison actually settled in after the first. Okay, yeah. But which is in its own struggle again. Which to me is another one of those things you want to instill in your team. It's like if you're getting dominated like that, you need to have you need to make some sort of break. You need to make some sort of kink in the fabric of like the domination. So typically, like that's why I get a little upset when there's when there's not really a lot of physical contact on the defensive end of the game. Right. We don't really have a lot of op- openized body checks in our own end much, or even along the boards. But that's when it's like if you're getting dominated down low. Hit somebody. Somebody like, just needs something. to make a big hit and just yeah. break that cycle. But, yeah, I agree. Because, like, otherwise you see what happens. It just mounts and mounts. The pressure mounts and mounts and mounts. And then it's ex- and compounding, then always, compounding. It's like you always see the goal coming, like, yeah. two minutes before yeah, it happens. Yeah, totally. And you can see, yeah, like, pretty much all those LA goals, specifically the Toffoli goal, it was just like you knew that was coming the second they got in the zone. And it's either that or we get a penalty. Yeah, totally. So that's why it's, like, another one of those things you want to instill is, like, when that starts to happen, somebody needs to do something to break break it up. Yeah. Got to do something. So then Lindholm scores a couple goals. Boy, he's been lighting it up lately. So we're going to get into it a little bit later, but as to why he was reunited with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. Let's get into it now. But, no time like the present. I mean, Michael Backlund has a goal, three goals in the last two games. Okay, so Athletic came out with an article today. So the Athletic published an article today written by Eric DeHatchik. Um... It was called, what is it called? Jeff Ward writing the ship. Writing the ship. Jeff Ward's decision to change the direction. It wasn't really De- Jeff Ward's decision. It wasn't was really it? Jeff Ward's decision. So, Eric. Can, had- we, can we just say, did we not say no. a week and a half ago? Yes. You need to go talk to Johnny and ask him what you need. Johnny, what do you need to get going? You need to sit word down. Word for word, you said this last week. So, in The Athletic today, there's an article. Uh, Eric DeHatchik asks Ward what went into the decision to go back to the lines from pretty much last year, putting Backlund in the center, putting Lindholm on the top on the top line. Uh, Ward said that Backlund actually approached him and said he feels like he was 
playing terrible on the wing, which he was. And Duh. He, like, did he you, wants to go back to center. Did you, you need, really need two months of that shit? You needed Backlund to come tell you? He needs to play in the center position, not the wing? So, thank God Michael Backlund well, and this took is, some initiative. Did I not fucking call this too? I said Johnny's not the type of guy that's going to come to you. You need to go to him. So, good on Backlund for being that type of guy. It's just like, you know what? I got to go say something. Totally. And then, so after that, after Backlund came came forth and said that, they talked to Johnny, they talked to Monaghan, and basically what they said was, yeah, we really want Lindholm back on our line. And that's how these new lines got back together. I think this is huge. I think it's huge. I mean, you scored 21 goals in four games. And so, like, it... it, it it's un- like that's why you talk to these guys. That's why it was so frustrating. I mean, in the LA game, we were really pissed off still because 20 seconds left on the clock. You don't have Johnny. You drove Sean Monahan on the ice. So I'm still a little frustrated with Jeff Ward. But this, well, especially when he had three opportunities to call a timeout, we if and you, rest those guys up. If you watch the last what was it three minutes? Yeah, three or four minutes. I think like, it started about within the under four minutes. He pulled the goalie. Yeah. They got one like in around the three minute mark, I think. Lindholm scored, and then it's like he like what is he doing? Like you don't realize that you're gonna probably play those guys out. Actually, you know what? Somebody said that he had called a timeout early in the game. I don't remember that I think at all. Was, I think I'm pretty sure is. I don't think he did. No, I don't think so. I can't fucking remember. We'll have to go back and look. But yeah, but anyways, still like Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan need to be on the ice with the, with 20 seconds left yeah. in an offensive zone face off so i mean you totally called it right like Gaudreau's not gonna be that guy so thank god michael Backlund said hey coach i'm not playing well this is not where i'm supposed to thrive this is not where i'm thriving put me back in center yeah and it's worked it has worked it's and, worked and here's the thing we've been taught we've been we've been going off about this for the last week for the last two podcasts now this is three three in a row because ward brought this whole quote about the team identity not being a scoring team we try, he said we tried to be a scoring team last year, and then look what happened to us in the playoffs. And when you're going through the struggles that this team has been through in the last five weeks, and that's what the coach's analysis of what's going on is, is that you're trying to find your identity. You know where your identity is. You saw it in the last three out of four games. We have, like, what's our goal differential at? It's got to be almost close to being positive, finally, because we have 60, we have 18 goals in three wins. Like, you're a scoring team, Jeffrey. That's how you're going to win. Like, it's just so, like, this whole identity we're, thing. Like, we're at minus eight now. Yeah, and it was, it's been it's been well, in it, double digits pretty it was much mi- all year. I think it was minus 20 a week ago. Yeah. So, it's huge. It's huge. When this team is a scoring team, they win more often than they lose. You win three of four. And, and you score, you score, what did they score? Uh, 20... How many goals did they score against LA? Three? Three. It's the 21 goals. 21 goals in the last four games. four games. And you're three and one. And look at your goals against even went down. Because you're oh, spending so much time in the other end. The other team, when they finally get the puck, they need to change or whatever. So this is your identity, Jeff Ward. Jeff, you're, embrace you're, it. You're a scoring embrace team. Embrace it. No matter how much you want to put Michael Backlund on the wing, he knows he doesn't want to be there. No matter now, how you don't want to put Johnny Gaudreau with Sean Monaghan and Elias Lindholm. Now you, what you do is you start tinkering and tweaking. How do you go all in on your strengths? How do you take a couple extra risks each game so that you can give guys more opportunity to score more goals? 
It's going to be worth it. It's totally going to be worth it. Anyways, uh, the the Anaheim game, like again, like that was that's a, that's another example of the team we saw last year. That first period where it was just like <clears throat> how again this is like what happened against San Jose. We saw it time and time again last year. It's like they score one, two, three, pretty much game over. Bing bang bong. Yeah, but they scored four. And it sure that was, that was the first time they scored four full goal four goals in a period this season. And the first time they scored six goals in Anaheim ever. And, and, first and time, Cam Talbot, another bit of trivia, you, Cam Talbot with the Calgary Flames, not the Atlantic Calgary franchise record, but the Calgary Flames record for most saves in a shutout, 44. And the, that was the first time in 24 years that the Flames have won two straight games in Anaheim. That's insane. And when they said that, Kelly Reedy's like, holy shit, I was still in the league. What? Oh, yeah, holy shit. That's insane. Oh, man. So then the other thing is, like, look at all the secondary scoring we're getting. And, and we're kind of like, wow, where's that been all this season? Did we see? We saw a lot of secondary scoring last season, didn't we? Yeah, sure. Everybody it, was contributing. Everybody. So now that Mark Jankowski getting going. And just one last thing to wrap up on, like, the uh, the Jeff Ward thing. It's like, like you said last week, trust goes both ways, right? Like, they can't just buy in when he's putting Johnny on the third line with Lucic. No. Can't buy in when he's screwing around all the time. You know what helps players buy in? When you sit down with a coach, and the coach literally wants to hear what you have to say of how you think you can be better, and then the coach implements what you suggest, and then it works. That creates trust. This is a relationship at the end of the day that the coaches have with the players. When everybody's feeling good and harmonious, you're going to see more results on the ice. Signals, Jerry. It's signals. Anyways, so yeah, that game in Anaheim, really great game. Like secondary scoring, you've seen it from Lucic. The Dubé line's been going. Mark Jankowski, thank God. Yes, that's all we want to see all year. Just go to the go to the middle of the ice and shoot. You got a hit shot, bud. Janko, you're huge. Like both of his goals were exactly the same. He just drove down the middle of the ice. You're huge. He's got good hands and he buried it. You're huge and you have good hands yeah. and you have a good shot. Just get to just the danger get area. There. And you can get there because look how big you are. Get there, bud. So I mean that's encouraging to see. Now the question is, now that Janko's trade value goes up. Do you hang on to Jankowski? Because is he really going to be anything more than a fourth line center on your team? No. So do if, you if you're if there's a trade to be made and somebody's like, okay, hey, we just want Mark Jankowski to, to get this deal done, of course you do it. I think now he becomes a legitimate trade chip. Yeah. Well, you know what? He either becomes a legitimate trade chip or he makes you feel a little less bad about trading somebody like Sam Bennett. Because, like, if you trade Janko, Bennett's probably the guy that takes his spot, right? Yeah. I don't know. The trade... The, oh, there's only... Is there four games until the trade deadline? There's three games this week. And then I think there's only... Yeah, I think there's only four games, which is absolutely mind-blowing. So, trade deadline is about a week and a half away. Is it, yeah, 20, is it the 23rd? No, we've 20, only got four games. 24th, right? It's the 25th. 25th? Yeah. So, yeah, you got four games from now. So, we got Chicago tomorrow night. At home, you're back at home, and this is the thing you got to be wary of. the The infamous first game after a road trip, after a good road trip too. 
Plus, they've been under Ward. They've been good on the road and dog shit at home. So for whatever reason. But the thing is, now this team is clicking. It's rolling. Yeah. Chicago. It, it is Feb twenty four. I'm sorry. The trade. Yeah, the five. Monday. I, yeah. I don't know. I think we win tomorrow. Well, you gotta win tomorrow. You've already you've already lost points to LA this this month. You've lost points to San Jose. You've lost points to Edmonton. So I'm you, you gotta win tomorrow. And then you got it's family day on Monday, and you play Anaheim at two in the afternoon. How have we been doing in afternoon games? I don't know our record. I feel like they're not super favorable, but if I had to guess, I would say we're probably just under five hundred. We're not terrible. So do you expect any anything to happen? I just hate afternoon games. I do too. It's I hate the them. I, I this like, is an American I f- thing. I feel like they're a toss-up. It's brutal. I hate it. Like, why would you want to go to a sporting event? It takes up your whole day. You gotta. It's stupid. Like, that's definitely an American thing. They love that weird afternoon. Like, who? Will, what do you mean? You want to go? It's nice out. Or like, who wants to go to a sports event at two in the afternoon? Right. And it's for kids, I guess. But. It's like the the game's gonna be at nine a.m. now. 9 a.m. would even be better because you'd have some time afterwards. This is like church. It'd be weird, eh? It's like having church in the middle of the day. It's like, oh, great. You gotta go sit at church for seven hours. Anyways, like, do you, like, do you expect Tree Living to do anything? Yep. You do? Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about buy or sell? I don't know. Sure. Let's let's just do some pontificating. May as well because, like, I'm gone next week, so. So we'll try and bang off a podcast next week. We'll try to get one done in the middle of the week, probably like the twenty. After Chicago, definitely post trade deadline. After Chicago Anaheim. After Brad Shiving mm-hmm. makes a trade for another depth defenseman, we'll definitely break that shit down. Well, the trade deadline is on next week. So well, who's, the, who's the depth defenseman he acquires this year? Apparently, he's in on Martinez. I swear to Christ, I forgot about that until you just said it. If this motherfucker trades draft picks for Alec Martinez, I will flip out. I will flip out if this guy acquires another depth defenseman. And I know he's going to. You know he's trying to. shithead. I know what he's up to. You know he's trying to. I know he's going to do nothing except add a depth defenseman again. I know it. That's all he ever does. You know he's going to do something. At this point... I really really don't know. Like, I have no read on it. Okay, listen. And I know, like, do you... A lot of times when he speaks... There's like zero. He gives it's zero substance to what he's saying. There's like zero substance. He's a fucking non-player so, playable character. Even though he's been saying we believe in this group, we believe in this group. I don't even know if he believes that or not. Well, of course he doesn't. Otherwise, he wouldn't have tried to go get Zucker, Kadri, Stone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He knows this team needs more. Because what I was gonna say is, if he does believe in this group, then he's he's going all in. Yeah. He's not gonna go all in, but he's gonna go in. Well, he's I, gonna add and not remove. I think. Well, I don't think he's selling. I don't either. My worry is that he's gonna buy too much. And see, see I, the thing. See, I, I don't he, think he will because that's the one. That's the one thing that he's shown that he doesn't ever do. The thing I wish he could do this year is two birds, one stone. If he could address the needs of this team and still sell off some assets that are depreciating. One stone. One stone. Two birds. One Michael Stone. One Michael Stone. Too bad. Toronto has an analytics department so they could take Mike Stone from us. But I mean, like, like, seriously, if he could do something like add a top six forward who's who's under contract for the next year or so, as well as involve one of Travis Hamannick, TJ Brody, or somebody who's probably not going to come back next year in a trade, I think that's the that would be the ideal scenario where you're buying and selling. And okay, here's the thing: is if you don't have Val Mackey. 
basically right around the corner on a return, then maybe you you kind of don't see that as an option yeah. of getting rid of either Brody or Stone. Well, and it's kind of completely... Sorry, or Hamannick. It's completely fucked right now by the injury situation. Like, Yeah. So that puts another wrinkle in the fold. But So if we didn't have Val Mackey, I would say don't trade either Hamannick or Stone. But because you're... You mean Hamannick look or, at the, or your, Brody? Your chances of making the playoffs... Like what is money? What does money puck say? I think it's like seventy percent right now. Because look at who you're competing with. But I think. But look it, at the division you're in. Look at you're starting to. It's, it looks there's a lot of signs that's the point to you're starting to turn this thing around. Johnny Money, you're starting to go. Lindholm is clicking. That line's going. Well, you got and, secondary secondary scoring coming in. Things are. Ha, have we really seen a stretch of games where things have been clicking? No. We've had success. These last four games. Three of four have been the closest we've come. We had that one successful stretch, but even then we even weren't, in the we weren't clicking we weren't like clicking, this. Though. We weren't like scoring goals. You were just scoring a few. You were winning really close games. So, and I guess this is the toughest thing, but you got to look at all the signs. Yeah, here, here's a money puck right now. Seventy-seven percent to make the playoffs for the Flames. Vancouver is the only Pacific. Vancouver and Vegas have higher odds. But like the argument can be made right now is that there is a clear path to the to the Western Conference Finals through the Pacific Division this year. That's if the you, other thing. Let's say you play. Let's say you finish second. You play. Who let's do you say, play? Or, second or third? Yeah, you play the Oilers. Now or, I don't know about you guys. That goddamn terrifies me. But you could beat them. You've beaten them. Have they beaten them three times this season, or twice? They three, beat them three times. They beat them. Yeah, they beat three. them in Edmonton twice. In, in Edmonton twice yeah. and once, Calgary. Three out of four. You, you've, you've beat them three times. So the Oilers are a beatable team. Even if you play Vegas, they don't seem to be rolling. That's a beatable team. Yeah. Vancouver, beatable they, team. Vegas scares me a lot less without Gallant. Yeah, right? And like, they've, they've had so many injuries. And so, like, there could be, there's an argument to be made that you could see a path, no matter who you are, any of those teams, to the West Final this year. So, is that worth it to hold on? Because the argument I keep coming back to is, okay. What if Brody and Hamnick are not signing here and you lose them for nothing in the offseason? In a year, you could have traded them and got something back. In a year, you're not going to be competitive for the Stanley Cup anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you just lose two guys who aren't re-signing. In a year, you could have got a lot back for them. Well, and Like, if, if Toronto comes to you and says, we'll give you Kasperi Kapanen for TJ Brody, how do you say no to that? Like, I don't know how you can walk away from that and be like, yeah, but we might be able to get to the West final this year because the Pacific Division is weak. I don't know. So well, then it comes to... It's just going to be really interesting. And so that that's where I keep coming back to you. Like, there's so many layers to this, and it's so complicated. I think Brad's going to take the path of least resistance and do nothing. Well, then you have a... Con- this is Pinder and Steinberg we're talking about this. As an owner, as an ownership group, where do your priorities lie? Because well, everybody I, knows, I know where theirs lie. Everybody knows you make your money in the playoffs. So if you and they, what the point that they were making was, if you can go to the Western Conference Final, you're looking at a pretty successful year financially. But then you're, you you got to weigh that against the long term. So it's kind of like you have to, you ha- it's like you have to project what, how far could you really take it, and what would that look. And what are the odds? And when you put it in terms like that, it's like, I think I know what the team's going to be doing at the deadline. They're going to go for it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to... I don't think he'll blow his load. I think he'll add. He's not going to go crazy. 
Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, my hope is that he adds. He adds in a way that does both things. Like, if he can trade, if he, he can trade, like, if he can package like Mark Jankowski and maybe Travis Hamonic, I don't know. Just using those two guys as examples for something that helps you now and next year, that, I think that would be the ideal scenario. Sure, if you can trade one of those Pl- guys who's probably not going to be back next year for a top six sure. player beyond this year i think that's a win 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 so you don't you're not a buyer or a seller you're going to trade with another team that's also trying to it's going to be a hockey deal it's kind of like winnipeg would be a great example yeah winnipeg definitely needs defense they're right there if they're if they want to make a serious push no and they've got some cap room coming up because the buffalo's contract is going to be severed or whatever so like i i i think i smell a nasm cadre tj Brody type trade which Tree Living loves those trades. And, and those are the kinds of trades that I don't mind either. And like, and if you look at his track record, like... That's what he's... Well, for the most part, other than his love of depth defensemen at the deadline. So that's what I kind of hope to see. I want to see another guy brought in like Lindholm, who's like, where did this guy come from? Maybe you don't know too much about him. He's young, but he's really good, and he can fit into your top six. Yeah, you were ta- you were, you've been saying... Kasha or Smith, Craig Smith from Nashville. He's a little older. The thing is, he scored a hat trick last night. He scored a hat trick last so night. So either that can go one of two ways: a, the cat's out of the bag, yeah. <laughs> and oh shit, or b, oh now maybe Bradshaw Living will look at this guy. Like if you're looking, yeah, exactly. If you're looking at a purely hockey trade partner deal that was really poorly constructed sentence, I think a team like Toronto still makes way too much sense because they need defensemen. Even though we do now, right now, or right, Winnipeg, right now, or Winnipeg, a team that's in it, but maybe not like a super contender, and doesn't want to make a bunch of changes, and who who has a need, I think there's still a trade to be made with a sim- with a team in a similar situation that you are, where you're like you're trying to make the playoffs, yeah, but you also don't want to sell off a bunch of assets. And like what you're saying is that there are teams that are good dance partners currently, yeah, that would. Well, they, that situation would work. That's why I like, even though I've been saying like, oh, Kasha, Kasha from Anaheim. I don't know if Anaheim's a perfect trade partner unless they want to take like Sam well, no, in a first, but I don't want to give up a first. Because they're selling. So they yeah. want they want prospects they want picks and, and picks. Prospects. We don't have that. Yeah. you Like what you're saying is ideally you make a deal with another team that's also in the hunt. Yeah. And so no one's either buying or selling. You're just, it's, you're hockey, just swap, it's a hockey, it's a hockey trade. trade. You're swapping need for need. Based on needs. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Because... And to his credit, and I don't think he'll do this, I don't think he's trading a first-round draft pick. Listen, I honestly... That's why I'm so against any kind of deal with the LA Kings right now. Because it's like, that's that's the ask, is prospects and picks. And I don't want to be giving those up for guys like Defoli and Mar- Martinez. Like, you don't I don't, you don't want to trade a first or a second from this year's draft. No chance. It's a deep draft. It's totally deep. And you've seen that you've seen that backfire already with the Travis Hamannick deal. And if you're sitting there wondering how important second draft picks are, second-round draft picks... Dylan Dubé, Rasmus Anderson, Shillington. What was Mangiapane? Mangiapane was in the fourth round or something. So it's like they're they're valuable. They're not just like it's not just like the Daryl Sutter days where you just throw them away for nothing. Especially when it this Especially is. Especially when this is supposedly one of the deepest drafts of recent memory. So so you only want to be really careful with your, with your first and second pick. I don't think you want to move either one of those. So Especially yeah, like you're like you're not in the top ten right now, like you were last year. No. So. Well, and it could backfire too. Like this is one of the biggest criticisms of the Hamnick deal is like he didn't protect it from anything, and they ended up finishing with the twelfth overall pick that year. Yeah. So like you that you like what if you trade your first round pick this year and then you go on a really bad run and you end up picking 
12th overall again in a really deep draft. Like, that would not be good. So I would not be screwing around trading draft picks this year unless it's for, like, something absolutely, like, wow, we can't say no to that. Um, which, like, that would have to be insane. But I really do think if something's going to get done, it's going to be a, a hockey deal, a need-for-need, need, a similar team. And Trump, like, I don't know. Toronto just makes way too much sense to me. Well, you've seen a little bit of history with Toronto, and you've seen recent history with Dubas. And you've seen, like, again, like... Those those teams, there's, there's no reason why they're completely different conferences. There's no reason why they have a problem. Yeah, the only thing that's weird, though, is that I guess after the trade thing happened, Brody has now has Toronto on his no-trade list, which is weird. Interesting. So, anyways, I, I don't know. I want... I'd, I'd hang on to Brody. I would, too. Yeah. Me, too. But Ham, if... Would be my guy. But, again, if some... If, Kyle Dubas comes to you and says, I'll give you Kapanen for Brody, and you might have an inkling that Brody's not signing here next year, like, that's pretty tough to say no. I don't, to me, I would. And you know me, I love TJ Brody. I would be surprised if TJ didn't want to stay. No, I I would be too. I think he probably likes it here. His family's here. Yeah, I know he loves the, part of the, the players on the team, yeah. part of the community. I'd be surprised if he's not re-signing. But uh, if he's not, yeah. and somebody comes to you and says, we'll give you this player for TJ Brody, I just don't know how you can say no. I think... If there if there's part of Brody that doesn't want to resign, it's because of the, all the trade shit. The GMs already tried to trade you. Yeah, like ten, ten so, times. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Now the other kink in that too is Hamannick's injury. Yeah, fuck, that's really screwed it up. So if Hamannick, because was, I think he's the guy we all agree, like you can trade him. Yeah. If I think there's a better chance that he may now want to come back, but he might want to come back too. He seems like a guy that enjoys it here as well. Yeah, but know. do you want to spend the dollars he's going to command? That's the other thing too. Even if he wants to come back, I, think, I don't know if you want to spend that much money on Travis I Hamannick. Think if you're evaluating your team moving forward, I'm not resigning Hamannick. Me either. So now I'm trying to get something back for him. Exactly. But he's on the fucking IR. Yeah, and especially if Val Mackey's coming back. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. You still have, what, a week and a half until the trade deadline? You have four games. Four games. It's going to come up quick. We might even see some trades earlier than I, that. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I have a feeling like I did last year. I was like, I don't think he's going to do much. I don't think he'll do much, but he's going to do something. He'll probably, yeah, I can see a tinker, but. He's going to add a forward. And this stupid injury, this injury thing has really fucked us too. Like, if, again, if you if you tra- if you you made a trade with Nashville, I very much, that might, like, that's why maybe Craig Smith is an option because they're a team that are still trying to make the playoffs. He's a UFA. He's a little older. Maybe you can do a player-for-player player swap. I don't know. The thing is, is like I feel like, and I know we've talked about this, your biggest strength from, from the Calgary Flames of, of trading strength is on the defensive end. Although you do have a couple extra guys up front. Bennett, Jankowski. Yeah, Bennett, Jankowski, you could potentially even Backlund, although yeah. those guys are starting to turn it around now. Backlund. Even if even if you wanted to, to me that you like, probably couldn't. Like Hamannick seems like the obvious choice, and if he you wasn't know, hurt, and, fuck. You, and you know Nashville doesn't need defense. Yeah. So, well, where would be a good fit for Travis Hamannick? Winnipeg seems to be the only option, but then like, what do you want from Winnipeg, really? And what are they going to give you? I don't know. It's it's going to be weird. Hey, if you're just trying to get anything back, unless you can get some draft picks from Winnipeg for Hamannick, but if you're not getting much back, then Trilling's not going to Trilling is going to rather keep him for the run. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting because I don't I don't think they're going to do the thing where they don't trade either of them and neither of them resign. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't even think Tree Living is that unorganized, right? Like I don't see any scenario where we hold on to both Brody and Hamannick and they both of them don't sign in the summer. 
Okay. I don't see that happening. All right, let's let's wrap this up with what do you predict Tree Living will do? See, this is the thing is like I I think he's he's definitely trying to do shit, but I feel like if he wasn't able to get it done in the summer, I don't think he's going to be able to get it done now. And to be perfectly honest, like I would much rather have have him stand pat than overpay for something. I don't think he's going to I think he might make one minor 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 move. Forward or defense? I think defense. Okay. I really do. But I don't know. Like, I just, I don't see much happening. I really don't. Yeah. I mean. Like, if it, if the injury situation wasn't what it was, I would be, I would be more inclined to say he's going to definitely make something happen. But it just limits what you can do. And I don't know. I would be, I'd be surprised. Yeah. And that's just like a gut feeling I have. I don't know. And it, and I see where you're coming from. Like, if we didn't suck against san jose and nashville last week and we we were we were, were trending up that week too i think it's a different story but it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't do anything but i know that he's been in on a top six guy for so long now it's gonna be hard for him not to want to do that honestly like sorry to interrupt you i think it will come down more to the other team wanting a guy in the calgary flames more than Brad Living wanting to acquire a top six guy. I think it'll be like if Kyle Dubas is desperate enough and be like, holy shit, I need to get a defenseman. I need it bad. Yep. I could see it happening in that way. But I, I just don't see Brad being out there proactively like chopping. I don't know. Yeah. You know? I just feel like if he, if he, he would have got it done in the summer. I don't know. And he's not a big trade deadline guy, so. All right, I'll go out and say that he goes after what people are going to call top six, but it's really going to be a mid six. It's not going to be someone that can play on the top six, top line, but be someone that can play on the second and third line. Yeah, I could see that. I could see him doing like a Bennett for somebody swap type thing, but I don't think he's trading draft picks. And then if that doesn't happen, then I'll say, yeah, he goes for a depth defenseman. And she's definitely going for but a depth I, defenseman. I don't think he's trading anybody away. And the only thing is, like... Well, I don't think he's trading any of our defense away. Yeah. And the, he, I could see him maybe trading Janko or maybe... I don't I don't I think he wants... I don't think stuff. he wants to part with Bennett, but if you look at how Bennett's being underutilized... Well, if, so, if Anaheim... Because they've coveted Bennett for a while, I guess. That's been the rumor. Well, what, like I was saying last night, can we just get Silverberg... Yeah, if, if Anaheim comes to you and says, yeah, we'll do like a player-for-player player swap or you give us two-for-one for one of our guys that's on the block, sure, you do it. Of course you trade Sam Bennett if you can get Kasha back or Silverberg somehow. Like, I don't know if that would ever work. But. And I get how, like, they were talking about it last night. Get, gets laugh is super bought into helping this team rebuild. Yeah. But you tell me all those other guys are. Like, you tell me Raquel, Silverberg, they want to stay there for this rebuild. Lindholm, like, those Hansen, guys, those all those guys, guys are, are would, young. Those guys would probably love the opportunity to go on a on a team that's not going to take another five years to be the playoffs. County, though. Still, anyways, I, the like, only, here's the thing: I mean, you can you can live anywhere you want after you make all your millions. Like, wouldn't you want to just win? Yeah, that's true. What would you want? Why would you want to? I don't know. I'm would a you want to play a big weather guy. on a team that loses yeah. like that? No, not Come if you're on. in the NHL. You're way too competitive. And no. some guys, it sucks, man. So, like the other thing I could see happening, and I think this is maybe your prediction is he gets a guy like, not like Lindholm, but he's had a trade kind of in the works for a long time. Yeah. 
that he's had a guy who he's targeting. He's like, that's my guy. And it, it finally gets done. Well, you got to think he's probably targeting on the, like between at least three to five guys. And the reason I keep bringing up Lindholm is because we've seen him make a trade like that before. And I think that's what all of us want is a younger guy who can be a top six and is under team control. So unless that comes to fruition and he finally gets the deal he's wanted to get done done or a GM is desperate enough to give him something because they really need it. I don't see him doing much in terms of like big moves. All right, last question. What are your thoughts on a rental? Say like a like an older guy, like Joe Thornton or something like that, where it's just like he could put he maybe he's just great with Johnny and Monty for three months. And then you just say goodbye to him if you can get him like on the cheaper end of things. I think yeah, um, the only way that would work is if because I think is retaining money. I think the too. only way you're looking at a rental is if it's if it's guy an older guy that you don't really plan to resign, but you're just curious. I'm just gonna throw this. What? Who knows how it'll turn out? Yeah. It's kind of like a risky risky thing, but maybe you strike gold. I don't know. Well, I know the talk is to Foley, but. Of the rentals, he is of the age range that you want him to be. Like when I was saying Craig Smith earlier, I, like if you're going for a rental, I'd go Craig Smith, even though he's 30. Is he playing the? He plays on their like third and fourth line a lot. He's kind of underutilized. So he's in the bottom six in Nashville. Like, but if you're talking about like a, a rental who like is a legitimate rental who comes cheap as shit, like I'm assuming he could get Thornton if he wanted to move. That would be the other thing. He seems pretty content in San Jose. Yeah, he? Like, all those like guys. Maybe he'd go to Vegas or something. Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna pack up his bags and come to Calgary. Yeah, but I like of any of those guys, I don't know. I don't think that would. I don't think I'd be into that. Like we already have. I don't know your thoughts. I don't really have an opinion on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. I'm, I'm I think just, it'd just be like a way. I, I think it'd it's be, just kind of like, something Daryl Sutter would do. I think it's just kind of like wishful thinking. Yeah. In terms of like, if you could, I guess now that if, if Lindholm's back on that line and it's clicking, I think if you were still trying to fit, trying to find a fit, maybe you get a veteran guy that can think the game like Monty and Johnny. But I, yeah, I, I think it's a low percentage, something that will play out that way. Yeah, like if you if you told me, oh, you could, if Justin Williams hadn't signed in Carolina, I'd be like, there's a guy. Yeah. Go dump some money in front of his house. But he's probably really the only guy. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see. It, it's going to be really interesting. And it's and like it, it's funny because the trade deadline is you're always pissed if it's like I'm perpetually pissed. It's like if they do something, I'm like, what did you do that for? And if they don't do something, I'm like, just do something, please. You want to be in on the action. Yeah. You want to be in on the action, but you also don't want to give up stuff. It's so stupid. All right. I said last question, but this is, this is legit the last question. If you look around the uh, elsewhere in the Pacific Division, the people that are in the race, like, do you think yeah. you think anybody else makes a big splash? Well, like, I think like, the Oilers are going to do something, especially with Connor's injury. I don't know what they're going to do, but they have like nobody up front. I don't know. I don't think they do anything do you think, big because of their cap restrictions. Do you think they would have a harder time attracting players in Calgary Wood? Oh, or, well, or easier because they have McDavid and Drysaddle? I think it's still pretty hard to get guys to go there. Okay. I don't know. It seems like Phoenix is, or Arizona's already Arizona's done. Arizona's already done their work. Vancouver's probably already done most of their work. They might add, do something small. You know what? I could see Vancouver doing something. Going all in? I really, like Jim Benning's the type of guy. Well, it's, and the, apparently the ownership group. Yeah. I can see the type of I like we just want a wild card. Yeah, the ownership group. Well, that's you saw it in the summer. 
They gave up a non-lottery protected pick for JT Miller, which has worked out to their credit, but like it's a risky move. I could see Vancouver doing something. I could see them I could see them doing something. They're the right. wild card and all this. Well, we'll know within what, ten days time, so it's too long. Fuck. No, it'll go by quick. Where are you going next week? I'm going to Victoria. Victoria. I'll be out in BC. So. All right. We'll try and, and do a, a podcast uh after the two games on the weekend. I think there's one yeah. And then post trade deadline. Yeah. All right. Well, honestly, I just let's just keep on clicking. Yeah, let's keep on clicking. And Jeff Ward, remember, my guy, we're a scoring team. We're a scoring team. Talk to Johnny Gaudreau. Keep going all in on your strengths, which is scoring. How can we keep this scoring up? 